everybody, and welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast. My name is Laura Boyle, and I am your host, uh, as well as the writer of the Ready for Polyamory blog, which you can find at www.readyforpolyamory.com. And today we are here to present for you episode six, Compersion. I'm going to be uh, presenting some conversations that I've had with my friends Kimoda Tiger Lily and Seva, uh, both of whom you can find guest bios in the notes below, uh, along with links to some projects of theirs. Um, and basically, compersion has been defined in various ways. One of the most popular is joy at your partner's joy in their relationship with another partner. Throughout the episode, we're going to sort of challenge that definition and work with that definition to broaden it a little bit. It's alternatively been within the polyamorous community defined as the opposite of jealousy because many polyamorous texts have defined jealousy as a negative emotion that needs to be overcome. But as anyone who listened to last week's episode on jealousy knows, this podcast and the blog both believe that jealousy is a human tendency that is here to stay and not particularly something that we need to find an opposite of or to demonize. So we're kind of not really addressing that except to throw it out the window right now. I'm going to very quickly share a story of my own compersive moments with you. And I've been pretty open on the blog about not having a ton of traditionally defined compersive moments. Um, and I wrote a very big or big to me uh, blog post about this uh, a few weeks back. So last year, I was lucky enough to be a guest at my partner Ken and his partners, Vanessa and Daniel's hand fastening. And it was one of the most beautiful weddings that I've ever had the privilege of attending. And I was so nervous walking into this thing. Guys, I don't I don't know if I can describe the level of guts twisted into a ball that I was out of basically sort of low self-esteem and fear and worry and issues that were totally unrelated to them and their relationship 
but that I was impressing upon that event and that relationship. And so I walked in like terrified and feeling like I was going to throw up. And it wasn't as though it was an event where I could grab my partner and be like, hey, reassure me, reassure me right now. Because he was getting married. You can't grab the groom and be like, hey, spend 20 minutes reassuring me in this corner. That's not how it works. So I was standing in the corner trying to self-soothe. Um, and... Then we got to the actual ceremony, and it was the most beautiful ceremony that I think I've ever seen. Daniel's mom was their efficient, and in a way, Daniel's mom and Daniel's dad, who has passed, were their efficients because... She sort of stood in and did both of their parts in the ceremony. Um, Daniel comes from a pagan family and they did the full real pagan hand fasting ceremony. And it was just so lovely. You guys, I'm like tearing up trying to tell the story and maybe I'll do another take. Um, <laughs> but... It was just so beautifully done, and their faces were so shining with joy as they turned to each direction to face the friends who were doing each, like, directional portion of keeping the, you know, like, doing the full circle to close the full circle, and... It was just so wonderful to watch them be so happy that I was completely overwhelmed. And that's only happened to me in 13 years, like six times. And to some people that's going to sound insane. They're going to be like, how on earth? Have you been doing all of this hard work to only do this thing that is the payoff for me six times? And I don't have a good answer for you because that has never been the payoff for me. I've always had other payoffs. I've had the ability to intentionally go into my relationships and to have more than one without feeling guilty. And to not feel bad if my choices aren't traditional. And to sort of generally do what I like with just a little bit of working with my partners on it. To make sure that it's okay with them. As opposed to having to work with society at large on it. In a way that I really appreciate. That's why I do this. So compersion has never been the payoff for me. So I'm sorry if that offends you. But 
I hope it doesn't. So for me, the that moment was really beautiful and really wonderful and really rare. And so I set up interviews with people who told me they feel compersion all of the time. And I'm going to first play my chat with Kimoda Tiger Lily, uh, which immediately followed our recording of an episode that you haven't gotten to listen to yet, uh, which is a little strange for you, probably, because it's sort of us coming in in the middle of a conversation. Um, but I hope it doesn't come across too strangely the way I've cut it. And uh, afterwards, I will introduce Seva one more time, who you may remember from last week. So for people who don't know, compersion is sort of the generally assumed definition is something like positive feelings about your partner uh, having interactions with other people whether those are like an outing or something romantic or something sexy whatever whatever it is that gives you that happy feeling about their happy feeling uh, I like to sort of broaden that to positive empathy for important people in your life but some people don't uh, how do you define it? Because I know you have one of the broader understandings of not partnerships specifically because you only apply that term to a relatively few people, but to sort of the important people in your life and how you interact with them. So for me, compersion is feeling happy that somebody significant to you is happy. And in that way, I like to say I'm a compersion whore. If someone I care about had a great day, had a great meeting with someone, I met this person for a coffee date, or you know their kid did something, I love it. I love when people share their happy experiences with me. Um, so I can, I can really enjoy that. On the flip side, being expected to have compersion for every one of those moments is also is equally exhausting. Um, I do like hearing about them, but I've also been in a relationship where this person would overshare so much that it would just wear me down and wear me out. And I was like, that's an overshare. Like that, that was a private thing between you and somebody else. And thank you for sharing with me. I really appreciate that trust. Um, but it was more information than I needed. Uh, I wrote a whole sort of screed on the blog called Compersion Isn't Mandatory um, because I get very sad and frustrated reading on online poly forums uh, people going, I don't feel like full of compersion and frubbly and wonderful when my partner is out on their second date with someone that they've had a really first like great first date with 
how do I poly better? Because to me, it doesn't make you better at this to not feel bad, right? You're allowed to feel whatever your feelings are. Yes. Yeah. And I think, again, it's that pressure thing. It's, it's, well, if I don't feel compersion, then I'm not poly. And again, it's this very narrow definition of what poly is supposed to be. And polyamory is between two people and whatever contract their relationship creates. And you can kind of overall incorporate certain ideas into how you operate. But, you know, that's the importance of ethically non-monogamous. And then each relationship, each dynamic has its own contract and understanding. Uh, for respect and consideration. And if you are uncomfortable or you are jealous or you are scared or you are sad or whatever, whatever feelings come up for you, they are totally valid. And just as you mentioned, really helpful to have a therapist um, for a lot of reasons. Because if you're new to the poly community, find a poly therapist and you have someone to talk to because it sucks trying to talk to your monogamous friends and they're like, well, just don't see other people. Well, that's right. This that's sounds hard. This. Just stop. <laughs> and then if you talk to, if you do have kind of a bigger polycule and you talk to them about it, then it's kind of seen as like spreading your drama around. And it's almost like a no-win situation. So polytherapists are so crucial. Well, right. Having someone to dump out to about these issues is really helpful whether it's that you build a larger network of polyamorous friends with whom you aren't romantically involved and your partners aren't romantically involved or whether you get a really excellent therapist which i always recommend or whether you have that super understanding monogamous friend which you might be lucky enough to have Um, Uh, tell your monogamous friends to read Elizabeth Chef's book on when someone you love is polyamorous. It's really good. Uh, We are not sponsored by her in any way. It's just a really good, very short read uh, for your friends and family to better support you. Uh, And this idea that compersion is really required is i think in some ways quite damaging for people who it's not that they don't feel that positive empathy for everyday things for their partner it's just that they mostly don't feel it in any way related to that partner's relationships And so that ends up feeling to them as if they're not compersioning right. And so I'd love it if we rewrote that definition of compersion to something closer to the way you framed it, where it's basically any positive empathy for your partner, for things that happens with their kids, for things that happen with their job, for things that happened with anything. Because if you reframed it that way, most people would actually feel compersion pretty often. But a lot of people define it a lot more narrowly and either use the phrase the opposite of jealousy, 
which is a pet peeve of mine or because like there's so many emotions lying right underneath jealousy that i feel like it can't have an opposite yeah and like the security and calm and empathy that you need to be jealous less often i guess might help you feel compersion about romantic activities but i don't think that quite correlates and besides if you have to define it that narrowly where it's about people's romantic relationships i've been non-monogamous for 12 years and polyamorous for eight and i think i felt like truly deep compersion for a partner with relationship to their other partners six times but i pretty much every day have some compersion if we just define it as that positive empathy that oh i'm so glad that you had fun going on a bike ride today yeah i'm so glad that the kids had fun going with you and that everybody made it out safe and made it home safe and learned about riding in the road that's so cool for them it was great that you got to teach them that kind of feeling i have all the time right and i think that opening up the definition to that lets people who are like i i rarely ever feel compersion i think it lets them go oh i feel it all the time actually i i do enjoy when people i love are happy and i think it's kind of part of that psychological narrative that we can kind of set up about ourselves that it can help reframe it and kind of what you touched on a few minutes ago with the the negative aspect of compersion or the expectation of compersion i think it's a, a toxic throwback to 60s free love i think it's supposed to be you know i'm just going to do what i'm going to do and you need to either be happy about it or you can get out of my way mm-hmm. and and i i definitely see that that link kind of through time so for me just kind of keeping a broad spectrum to happy feelings when somebody you love is happy. That opens the door for so much. And I think it allows positive reinforcement for people to go, Oh, I do feel this. I do feel this often. And then I think it also allows you that if you don't feel it in romantic situations to have a spot where you're like, okay, well I do feel this often here, but I don't feel it here. I, that's something I can start to unpack about why and then maybe you can start delving into certain insecurities or or maybe you'll f- figure out what you do need from partners and and so it opens up such a huge door for personal growth that maybe someday you will you know expand expand into romantic partners or sexual partners or or whatever but it's not necessary and i think that expectation that pigeonhole expectation puts so much negative pressure on people and, and, and it misses the bigger point of feeling happy when people you love are happy. Well, right. It basically says, oh, your empathy doesn't matter unless it's about their romantic relationships. And that, to me, seems to run really counter to the actual ethos of polyamory as loving many people. 
because it's saying oh it doesn't matter if you're expanding this love over their whole life you've missed one spot in a secondhand manner that means you're not doing it (laughs) yep yep i don't i don't think that's fair because i think it i think it ultimately winds up policing people's emotions and and we all know how well that works in society (laughs) i mean about as well as policing works uh i really this is gonna i need to like either cut it to death or air it really soon and this is not one of the first episodes uh folks i am recording this as massive protests are happening in minneapolis over the death of george floyd and uh that is why I keep making so many references to burning America down and uh, policing being terrible. So, yeah. sorry if you don't like it. Unfortunately, the blog and the podcast are my virtual living room and you have to deal with it. Um, or not, you could just leave. Yeah. Uh, I say that even though I'm supposed to only call to action positive things. If you like these takes, please do feel free to tip me on Ko-Fi, which I refuse to pronounce coffee despite their branding. <laughs> Ko-Fi.com slash ready for polyamory. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I agree with you that basically policing compersion by narrowing these definitions is another one of the various sort of cultural definition of terms that the polyamorous community and the ethical non-monogamous community as a whole is struggling with. Because all of these terms are remarkably new for things that have been going on forever and ever quietly behind closed doors. And now uh, for... A slightly different take on this same topic. We're going to talk to my friend Seva for her take on this topic. I hope you enjoy it as well. You and I have previously talked about jealousy. So last episode, we aired a good amount of us talking about jealousy. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about compersion. And part of why I want to talk to other people about it is because I am a pretty low compersion person if you use the, like, typical community definition of compersion only being positive feelings about your partner interacting with their other partners. And... Recently, I've been seeing some people advocating for a sort of broader definition where it's just positive empathy for your partner, period. And that being the case, I like how I just clapped. So if the mic caught that, it will show how deeply Italian I am and that underneath (laughs) here, I'm just moving my hands constantly. It's true. Um, constant motion i can't stop uh between the italian and the adhd i just can't um 
But so if you expand it to positive empathy for your partner, I do great. But if you don't, I am real bad at conversion. I can like count the number of times on my fingers that I've felt like deep compersion about a partner doing something with their other partners. So what do you sort of think of as the definition of compersion? And are you a person who gets that sort of frubbly feeling for people a lot? Oh my gosh, no. I am I'm one hundred percent with you on <laughs> if if the definition of compersion is broader to, you know, positive, like, whatever, I guess, towards your feeling. <laughs> towards your partner. Towards your partner. <laughs> um, I am 100% on board with that. That's great. There are plenty of times where I'm like, I'm happy that you're happy. But I rarely get the, like... I am just overwhelmed with happiness because you're going out on this date. And it's like, it's, I don't always have like negative feeling. It doesn't, the opposite of like that overwhelming, frubbly feeling is not inherently like negative energy. Right. A lot of the time I'm just sort of neutral. Like, oh, you're doing this? Okay. I feel the same way as I feel when it, oh, you're playing another D&D game? Okay. Like, it's just right. at neutral, whereas when it's, like, something that they're really excited about, in my partner's case, like, when he's going to his sword fighting practice and he's having a ton of fun choreographing something new, and your partner, uh, who you live with, is one of my good friends, so, like, when he tells me this, like, super excited story on the phone about how he was working on the motorcycle and he made it better it's not just that he fixed something it's that in fixing it he made it better and i'm like oh that's so great for you yeah like when he tells me a story about like right when my partner tells me a story about going on a date it's pretty much exactly the same as when he tells me a story about a D&D game that didn't involve something as exciting as his character barely surviving, right? If his character barely survives, I'm like, oh, that's so great for you. That was really close. Right. Yeah. It's like when my partner fixes something or makes it better on his motorcycle, I'm thrilled for him. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I like, you've been working on it all day. Like, that's great. And when he tells me like, oh yeah, I was on this meeting for this, you know, company and it was, you know, productive. I'm like, okay, cool. Nice. Like, I'm glad it was productive. Like, right. And that same, I'm glad it was productive is pretty much how you feel about partners in this. Yeah. Like, I, of course, I don't want them to have a bad time. I don't want them to like come home raging or crying or anything like that. I want them to be happy. But it's just a very neutral feeling. It's not, like, overwhelming, like, oh, oh, I'm so thrilled you're going on a date. Like, that's, you know, and if you feel that way, that's awesome. (laughs) I'm kind of (laughs) jealous. 
yeah, I'm envious of people who feel that. And I think it's perfectly possible to feel that. But I also think that widening the definition of compersion to that positive empathy for anything gives a lot of us the opportunity to say that we feel that all the time. Because, like, for many years, I felt a lot of shame around being a low compersion person by that sort of mainstreamed the poly community, which isn't mainstream, so I don't know if mainstream counts as the word, uh, definition of it's got to be positive feelings about their partner, right? Yeah, I, I definitely relate to that. I've also felt a lot of shame because, you know, everyone's talking about like, oh, well, it's compersion or, you know, you're either feeling compersion for, like, with the more narrow definition or you're feeling negative feelings. And it's like, well, what about the in-between? Right, there's a lot of in-between. And also when people instead phrase it as, compersion is the opposite of jealousy. No, jealousy is like a check engine light for all of these insecure or anger or fear feelings. And so feeling secure in yourself and your relationship and calm instead of angry and like, happy instead of sad will make you more likely to feel compersion about their partners but it'll make you more likely to feel compersion about everything in their life so i am moving uh that the community as a whole take a vote and define compersion more uh broadly but i don't know that I alone can affect this change. So it's nice that everyone I'm talking to seems to be with me on it. Yes, 100%. Although that it sounds, may also that sounds be because cool. my sample size right now is my friends. Um, <laughs> here, I'll make a Twitter poll too and we'll see what they say before this episode comes out and I'll add it to the intro. Um, but so I guess... I would love it if you do occasionally feel that sort of traditionally defined compersion, if you can give an example of that. And it doesn't have to be for your nesting partner since you've just sort of explained uh, the things that you end up feeling for him. I know you have other partners. If you have like a particular example that you could give on a time that you felt sort of traditional compersion and I know I'm going to open uh, the episode by giving one of mine. So yeah. Um, so I have a girlfriend and she we're, we're long distance, um, which makes things, it, it's hard. I miss her a lot. Um, but she has other partners as well. And at one point she basically just checked in with me and was saying, you know, Hey, I just want to give you an update that this person who I've been casually seeing, like we've decided to start like officially using, like we're in a relationship and we care about each other. And then like shortly after, like, you know, we're, we're using the L word. and I was just like overwhelmingly happy for her 
that, you know, she has this, and, and she has a live-in partner as well. And so, you know, this is another partner outside that relationship. And I've met them a couple of times and they're a wonderful person, super nice. And I was just like, I am so happy for you. I'm just like overwhelmed. And like, it was just this pure joy for her. And that's definitely, that, that's probably one of my, one of my better examples, but you know, it, it happens periodically. It's just not something that's super common, but in that instance, I was just so happy. Right. Sometimes it's just easier and happens to flow out. And that sounds like a great example where they were having an escalation in a relationship with somebody who you'd had a chance to hear a lot about, who you really supported their relationship with them building. and you felt great about hearing that it was not just still going well, but sort of scooting up the standard escalator of steps. Like they were using labels and they were saying, I love you. And she was so happy about it that it sort of overflowed. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I do love those moments of overflow. They're just more common for me with like my partners doing something that they have a great passion about that isn't another partner than doing something that they have great passion about that is with another partner. And I don't know if that currently is because my last few partners and my current partner who I'm still with uh, are all really great at compartmentalizing and so they just don't give me a lot of those opportunities um but in general that still has been true for me and the great at compartmentalizing definitely hasn't always been true. So I guess my note uh, is that if you want to use the narrower definition of compersion, keep on using it. But remember that it's not mandatory. It doesn't make you better at polyamory to use it. It doesn't yeah. make you better at polyamory to feel it. And you're not bad at polyamorous if you're jealous, as we said last week. And you're not inherently better at it by being especially compersive. Compersion is beautiful when it happens. And maybe for some people it's extra beautiful when it's about another partner. Which is why that's that original definition. Also, I think gatekeeping is part of why it's part of that original definition. Like polyamory as a term came out of communes and the communal idea of all being extremely happy for each other in order to best support the communal system staying together, uh, I think had some effect on that. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think my biggest thing, just if you want to continue using that sort of narrower definition of compersion, that's totally fine. But also try and remember that it doesn't necessarily mean it's the opposite of jealousy. 
because there's a lot of in-between there and that in-between isn't necessarily bad. Right. And on top of that all not being necessarily bad, there is no correlation between how often you feel jealousy or compersion and how long you sustain polyamorous relationships. Your behavior dictates that, not your feelings. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, as always, to Seva, to Kimoto Tiger Lily. You can find both of their websites listed in the notes. Um, as always, you can find us at www.readyforpolyamory.com. You can send me any comments at readyforpolyamory at gmail.com. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash readyforpolyamory or ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash readyforpolyamory. So this has been the Ready for Polyamory podcast, episode six, Compersion. I hope that you learned something. I hope that you maybe came away with a slightly different thought about this topic than you had before. And if not, I hope you came away mad enough to write me an email about it. Have a great day. Bye.